Constructing your life is about much more than just building a bank account. Each week, join real estate entrepreneur and mindset coach Austin Linney as he interviews guests who are constructing their dream lives and impacting the world around them on a daily basis. If you're an entrepreneur or wanting to start a business, or you just want to hear motivating stories of how others have overcome the odds, you are in the right place. And now for your host, Austin Linney. I'm ready. Guys, welcome back to Construct Your Life. Austin Linney here and my twin, Mr. Colin. Yes, absolutely. Colin Douthat, actually. But your your hair is much redder than mine. And you, I don't know. It's more like you're more like our brother. And yeah. Yeah. You know, I've got a really good friend that sometimes we go out together and he thinks we're brothers because he's taller like I am. And his hair is even like brighter orange than mine. And it's like, are you guys brothers? We're like, no. No, man, this is like fiery red. So, well, we seem to find each other, you know. Yeah. But, 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 guys, before we get started and talk about what he does, I want to thank our sponsor for the podcast, uh, Dream Chasers Podcast. Go check it out. Make sure you you see what they got going on. But, Mr. Colin, why don't you tell us about what you do, my brother, and we'll get rolling here. All right, I am a property manager, construction guy, and a real estate investor. So, started out as a real estate investor. Uh, background on me. I'm a professional engineer, civil, architectural, construction, that sort of thing. Got a PE license, started investing in real estate, got fired, said no more corporate world, built up my holdings a little bit. That spurred me to start a property management company, uh, started a construction company, and did not operate that very well. So I brought in one of my buddies that I went to school with, also an engineer construction guy, said, hey, let's do this together. You run construction, I'll run PM. So now we've got a PM company, a construction company, and real estate investments. All right. I love it. And so what's interesting about the property management aspect of the business, I hear, and I'd be interested to your take on it, I hear from a lot of people two things. One, we can't find a good one. Second is, we couldn't find a good one, so we created our own. And so (laughs) are those both things true, or is that kind of how it happens? I created my own for two reasons. First, I was tired of managing my own properties because we got up to about 50 doors, 60 doors. And I was like, I'm, I should start a company. I don't want to give the money away. Uh, it wasn't an expense issue. It was also kind of a ge- geography issue. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I was like, well, maybe I could have my own PM and then have them generate enough income to pay for themselves. And then I could get my properties managed for free. I started looking into it. I was like, I think I kind of like this recurring revenue business model. So then I really got excited about the business model side of things. Mm-hmm. And we then decided that we want to perform excellently because we know that there's a lot of bad PMs out there that give the industry a bad rap. And I think ultimately what I've seen from my buddy's company here in Texas is if you have your systems right, the vehicle of property management can be a real moneymaker. Um, yeah. if, you're, if, you're, if you're treating your customers well and, you're, and your systems are dialed in. Yeah, absolutely. It can be, you know, a good business. Uh, It's definitely got ebbs and flows. It's a percentage of revenue generated or income generated and collected. So, you know, COVID makes us all get a little bit scared when they're putting eviction moratoriums out and people are don't have jobs. Uh, But yeah, it can be, you know, you have to, uh, you know, work on your systems, work on your, you know, optimizing the utilization of your staff as well, because Mm -hmm. overstaffed kills you since it's a service industry. Mm hmm. And where, what, uh, what areas do you, states and areas do you operate currently? Uh, we're in Kansas and Missouri. So right around the Kansas City area, about an hour radius around Kansas City. And what kind of volume or what kind of assets does your construction company do? What kind of business do they do? 
So they are uh, generally fed by our Atlas property management, Atlas construction is generally fed by them. So, you know, our value proposition to owners is we're, we're a single source, single point of contact for your construction and for your property management. Because, you know, sometimes if you're out of state investor, you're trying to manage both aspects of that. You're trying to manage a property manager, manage the contractor, and they're button heads with each other and they're pointing fingers. And we're like, listen, we'll bring in professional property management. We'll bring in professional project managers. We'll operate the whole thing for you single point of contact and streamline it. And so is that more on the, the remodel side when an investor is buying a property or is yeah. that new construction? Uh, mainly uh, remodel, reposition, whatever you want to call it. Uh, we do a lot of rehabs on the vacant units, the exteriors, the interiors, that sort of thing. And so, because here's where it gets interesting. The property manager lens is different than a construction lens. Mm-hmm. So does your construction you know, your PM guy and your construction guy is that ever conflicting because, you know, he's trying to move on to the next project. You're trying to get renters in. It's, it's kind of a different game. Yeah, it is. So, you know, we can all agree that we want to get the units done as fast as possible. That is the goal for everybody. We want to minimize downtime. And the more units we turn on the construction company, the more money we can make as long as we're doing the work correctly. Where the conflict comes is we actually have, they're, they're two separate entities. So mm-hmm. our maintenance coordinator on the property management side he does a post-construction inspection on our construction guys. So he's kind of the QC for construction. Mm-hmm. So they have no alignment of interest there. So if we're doing that QC, we are able to um, you know, say, hey, look, here's your punch list. You missed these items. You need to address them. Mm-hmm. So oh, I love that. And so when somebody is going to rent out a unit or they're mm-hmm. going to turn a unit for a new renter, Mm-hmm. What are the areas that you think investors slash just everybody in general misses that that y'all seem to catch the most? When we're going to go update the units? Generally? Yeah, when you're going to update the unit. Mm-hmm. What do you think somebody's looking for? Meaning, because you have to protect the, the, the cash flow for the investor, and then you also have to make it. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so the couple that, you know, one item that's a little expensive, but it makes a big difference is flooring. You know, so if you've got really worn out carpet or really worn out hardwoods, those kind of stick out like a sore thumb. Um, you know, paint's pretty easy and generally decent in, in most, unless it's got a bunch of holes punched in it. Uh, to me, my my kind of pet peeve that makes it look patched together or dated is going to be mismatched hinges, door mm. pulls, drawer pulls, doorknobs, light fixtures, and plumbing fixtures. So you walk into a room and you got a gold doorknob with gold hinges. You've got a chrome bathroom faucet and then a brush nickel light fixture. And that drives me crazy. It looks so patchwork to me. That's and, a great point. I never even thought about that. Oh, yeah. yeah. And then and then the hinges too, right? The, oh, look, we put a brush nickel doorknob on it. You look over, they got you know gold hinges that are 30 years old that are now brown. It's like, come on, like those are $2 a piece. Yeah. It's the right yeah, thing. And ultimately, if, if that's the level of detail that you're carrying into the job, which now that you say it out loud makes me hope that everybody does, but I know that's not the case. Then I would imagine that your investors and everybody that you're working with feels real good about the product they're getting. I mean, I sure hope so. We're consistently able to increase rents, you know, 95 plus percent of the time. And they say, this is our target rent and we hit or exceed that, mm-hmm. you know, only in very few areas that we have issues where comps support it, but they can't get it rented for who knows what reason. But yeah, generally we, you know, 
you know, we're performing at a level that, um, you know, our construction looks good enough that we're able to rent them out and, you know, uh, manage expectations as well when the investor is buying the property. So, hey, we think we can rent this property for 825 with a rehab. Okay, great. Our numbers work. But then we can actually get it rented for 850 or 875. We know we can do 825, but anything above that's bonus that we're going to try to push the market on. And how many uh, units do you manage currently and how many do you own your, yourself? So currently we're at about 680, approaching 700 here pretty soon. But actually by uh, April 1, our pipeline showing that we'll probably crack a thousand total under management. Okay. So okay. we're excited to hit that milestone. Yeah. And then myself, I've got ownership interest in about 70 to 80. And in the properties that you're managing, is, are these entire apartment complexes or SFR single families? Both. Both. Okay. Yeah, what's the large, What's about, the largest apartment that you that you run? Uh, we've got a 62 uh, unit, and we're getting ready to take on um, a 123 unit. Um, okay. At the end of February. And what's easier, 10 SFR homes or a 62 unit? Yes. <laughs> what's that? Which yes. one? Yes. <laughs> uh, no, they both they both have their ups and downs. Um, yeah. You know, from a, a time investment standpoint, a management standpoint, everybody's like, oh, we'll get the concentration. That'll be good. I, the concentration really lends itself to being able to buy the doors at a lower price, generally. Mm-hmm. Um, the management of a multifamily, it has just different challenges. We, you know, we're having to make sure we're coordinating snow removal, lawn care, common area maintenance, landscaping, cleaning the common areas, et cetera, as opposed to a single family home, you know, we're renting it. Now there's, you know, theoretically kind of like more systems possibly per per door, more linear feet of everything that can break in a single family than in a multifamily. Uh, but, you know, they both have their ups and downs. You know, single family is probably easier to manage, but from our side, if, you know, we have a hundred people that have single families, or we have five people that have 20 doors each in multifamily. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a lot easier because we've got less relationships to manage on a daily mm-hmm. basis. We're making owner distributions, you know, that's less reports that we have to generate and funds we have to transfer. So, so any, any, any investor that's out there that's buying into multifamily on the single family level from a property manager point of view, where do you think the threshold is for unit count that you need to bring in a professional management company? What it depends on if you're out of state, I would say any. Yeah. Well, we're going to get into the out of state stuff, but I just, I'd be, be interested just your point of view on this because everybody my, talks different. My point of view is bring it in at one, uh, you know, but realistically, I mean, if you've got a full W2 job, you're working 40 hours a week, how much time do you want to devote to running maintenance calls, collecting rent, et cetera? If you've got one, two doors, maybe a fourplex, you could probably handle it yourself, but it can be start to be a real time suck. Depends on the level of your asset as well. If there's a bunch of maintenance going on, you're going to have a ton of calls. Uh, but I would always push for a property manager because even though they're taking a percentage of your income, a good property manager will be getting you more than that through the appropriate maintenance calls, charging back the tenants, what should be charged back to tenants, as well as working to push your rent. Um, anytime mm-hmm. we take over a property that was owner operated, uh, the rents are always below market rent. We're able to really capitalize on that. And I think what's interesting is that if you look at it from a context, whether you have one unit or two units, you have to build your portfolio and put systems in your, in your portfolio as if you're scaling up. 
-hmm. And so if you've got to 15 units and then you try to bring in the property manager and your stuff's all out of whack, that's going to be a rocky road if, mm -hmm. unless you started it from the beginning. Yeah. We had an investor. He's, he's a great investor. He, uh, he lives in California and he was self-managing uh, 12 units in Kansas City, you know, three fourplexes and they were all kind of, you know, set up with vouchers. So it was a little bit easier, and, but he was coordinating the maintenance from California you know, two time zones away and more power to him. You know, he, he did a, he did a good job. It wasn't a total disaster when we took it over, but uh, you know, he just reached the point where he's like a threshold for mental capacity and time is tapped out. Yeah. And I think that's, what's interesting is because the more people I talk to, the more people I interview on the podcast, there's multiple people that have 15, 10, you know, 16 units out of state. They've never seen them. And, and so they rely on somebody like you, who's their eyes and ears with the construction company. And so for anybody that's listening, that's an out-of-state investor, talk about the pros of having a team like y'all, because I know how good you are, to be able to invest. Maybe, let's say you live in LA and you can't afford the prices, but to be able to go into a, a, a Midwest market and, and get after it. Mm -hmm. So what's, what's the pros of bringing us on? So yeah, yeah, yeah. the pros are going to be, you know, you're buying an asset most people are buying for some sort of value add, whether that's through construction or through operational efficiencies. So working with a PM, uh, such as myself, that understands that, we can then point out what's good money to spend and what's bad money to spend to hit that. And we can help you evaluate a property through the due diligence process and say, hey, here's your, uh, you know, here's where you can improve financially. Okay, we can get your rents up to this. We can implement a rubs to get your utilities under control. We can implement a common area maintenance fee. Uh, you know, here's you know, something that should be getting pushed back on the tenants. It's not, you know, we can start looking at those things and say, okay, here's how you can build an accurate performer. Here's what you can expect. Mm -hmm. I love that. And what's interesting to circle back to what you said earlier, you know, a lot of people guilty as charged, start a business. We, we, we die on the ego sword mm -hmm. uh, that we can do it and we got it right. And so, you know, kind of unpack and talk about, was that, was that a struggle to bring your buddy in or was it just something that like you weren't covering the basis as, as best as you wanted to? Uh, both, you know, I mean, so the property management had started to gain some pretty good momentum and so had construction because I kind of sold it as a package deal and I was not effectively managing the projects to where we were making money on the construction side. We weren't hitting deadlines and starting to realize that I probably got fired as a project manager from my last construction job because I wasn't good at it. <laughs> and, uh, you know, he had the entrepreneurial entrepreneurial bug that I do. And, you know, I, like I said, I've known him for 15 years when we got started together. And I was like, listen, Adam, I was like, you understand construction. And he started looking at me like, well, he was like, you don't even have it priced right. He's like, your margins are all wrong. I was like, explain Perfect. that to me, you know? So, <laughs> uh, so anyway, I, you know, I was, you know, you know, I like to think that I, I have a little bit of an ego, but I'm also can be really humble. And I'm like, listen, I need your help here. Like you come in, here's the opportunities that I can bring to the table. Let me focus on what I'm good at, which is sales, which is vision casting, which is putting all the systems in place. Mm -hmm. Get the systems in place. I just need somebody to help execute the systems. I was like, listen, I'll bring you leads for days. I just need you to execute on construction. Well, I know that he's managed, you know, multi-hundred million dollar projects internationally, I knew that he could handle a handful of renovations. And, mm -hmm. you know, he's he's done a great job. And I, I knew that for me to succeed, I needed more help. 
And I was mm-hmm. willing to give up equity and I was willing to, you know, be humble enough to say, listen, I can't do this alone because you can't, there's always a team. Yeah. And I think, I think the biggest part as an entrepreneur and, and I, it's kind of my go-to this week, I seem to have themes that I hang on to, whether it be my reading or something. Uh-huh. I think a lot of times there's, let's say there's a big tree and we, as an entrepreneur, walk out on said limb and we get to the end of it. And then we go, what the fuck are we doing here? I don't want to be here. And uh-huh. I did that. I did that with Airbnb and it was, yeah. it, it's an ego death because in my head, dude, I want to be the Airbnb guy. Wait, I hate this, yeah. <laughs> you know? And I think you have to have a real conversation with yourself, which I think the secret weapon is self-awareness. Yeah. And that's something that I've really always kind of been aware of myself and, and what are my strengths and what are my weaknesses. And this, you know, that was kind of me, you know, overrunning my skis a little bit or whatever you want to say. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, being aware to know that I, I am and then looking at the performance and saying, I am not performing where I want to be for the company that I want to build. Mm-hmm. And now we're running and we're doing what I, what I want to do. And we're right. We're right back in there. So hundred percent. And so as you scale and you get to the thousand units, is there any other ancillary avenues within the vertical of real estate that y'all are looking into? Uh, you know, we're looking to buy more probably mm-hmm. is, you know, now that we've got our systems in place and we're like, well, there's a value add fourplex or eight units. Oh, that, you know, Hey, we, we can really handle that. And we know, we know how to operate that. And we, you know, mm-hmm. um, because I've owned it for a while, but now we're getting really good at, at, at some of that stuff. So yeah, we'd love to start some other verticals as well to service it. Um, you know, possibly some other, other service companies, we do our own maintenance as well. So that's another mm-hmm. vertical that we've, we've tapped into. We don't outsource uh, much of our maintenance unless it's, you know, a big plumbing job or roofing job or something like that. So. And it's funny. That's what people don't talk about enough is the, is the maintenance aspect of owning real estate. And it's kind of, I go back and forth. I, I you know, I, I don't know. And, and I, I'd be interested to hear your point of view. A house is great until it isn't. And, you know, I think maybe I travel a lot. So like the responsibility of said property, like maybe doesn't do for me. Plus because of the last couple of years, I've been in apartments and I'm like, dude, these amenities are awesome. Like Mm -hmm. all the extra stuff. So it's interesting that I was talking to a guy from Indiana today. I think, I think that, I think that buying habits and also what people want with the new technology is changing too. So I, I think there's a massive market in small multifamilies uh, rentals in the Midwest. You know, I, I really think that, you know, the, 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 these kids are moving up, maybe they don't want a home. So like, mm-hmm. I think the market is in, you know, four to six to 20 multifamily, I think is a sweet spot. Yeah, it, it really is. Um, you know, four is nice because you can house hack it or you can, you know, still get a traditional 30 year loan on it. Um, you know, with low down payments and everything like that, you know, above that Five plus units fits into the commercial. I love that because then you're valued less on comps and more on your, you know, NOI. So we can have a lot larger impact on, you know, value appreciation, forced appreciation. So, so break that down for us for anybody that doesn't understand the, the difference when you when you get off comps. Okay, yeah. So four units and under traditional loan. So you're going to go buy your house. It's going to be two hundred thousand dollars. The appraiser is going to come in and they're saying, okay, there's been six houses that have been sold within the last year that are, you know, plus or minus 10% of this price. Great. It's worth $200,000. The bank says, okay, 
You go to a duplex or a fourplex, you know, four units and under, it's going to work on the same process. Hey, these other multifamilies have sold, you know, they sold for $200,000. You want to buy two for $250,000? Sorry, that's a no-go. You get five units and over, that falls into a commercial loan. So the commercial loan, then they're going to say, they're going to look at the sales approach, right? So they're going to look at comps. Hey, other 20 unit complexes or sets of fourplexes have traded at X dollars per door. You know, you got 20 units, 50,000 a door, okay, million dollars, great. Uh, but then they say, okay, let's also look at the income approach. And they're going to say, okay, based upon the current income of, let's use a number, $10,000 per month, $120,000 per year, divided by the cap rate. Okay, here's what this property is worth. Okay, based upon its current income, it's worth $950,000. Well, if we're able to push that rent, $1,000 a month, $12,000 a year, divided by the cap rate, then maybe it appraises out at on the income approach, 1.05, 1.1 million. Mm-hmm. So then you have additional equity. So then you can get to a refinance faster, or if you want to sale, then you've got more proceeds on the sale. No, and it's it's amazing because the the, the you know when you when you when you step into the multifamily world, when you when you get above five units and you get to fifty or sixty, and you and you change some things, you put the the waters on the tenant, you remove rents. I mean, guys, we're not talking about you know, a couple thousand bucks, we're talking about two or three or four or five or $6,000 pushing, uh, what you said, the forced appreciation. It's very, yeah. when you understand the vehicle of multifamily, it's, it's, you, you can understand why everybody's so excited about it. Yeah. It's really great. And kind of circling back, having a, uh, you know, sophisticated, uh, property management company coming in, that's the service we provide, right? Somebody's like, Hey, I'm looking at this 20 units. What do you think? I think I'm like, I think here, but then we get the rents to market rents. We add pet fees. We add common area fees. Uh, we add a rubs. Okay, you're going to increase your income by this month, by this much per month, time 12 months. You know, hit the realtor up. What's the cap rate here? Okay, it's an 8%. Okay, it's a 6.5%. Divide that by 0. 0.08, 0. 0.065. Boom. You know, there's $137,000 in value we just added to your property. Mm-hmm. Great. Now you've Hold got on. 15% more equity. I love it. I love it. So I did want to ask you a question because right. I was the first guest on the, your podcast you've had many episodes since then or i don't know how many but some some you were you were like should i do one we're a property management company i'd love to hear your experience with it and and kind of just what you think so far oh with the podcast yeah with your podcast yeah yeah it's been it's been great so i've talked to investors and i've talked to owners uh, syndicators and other property managers. And mm-hmm. it's really great to get other people's opinions on what brings the most value through, you know, property management. Uh, because sometimes it's a contentious relationship with owners. Uh, if, if the PMs are sucking, it's yeah. like, oh, the PMs, you guys suck. Well, it's kind of like, owner, you, you bought a sucky property, uh, yeah. you know, or, you know, you, you bought a decent property, but there's only sucky tenants in this area, you know, whatever, mm-hmm. whatever mm-hmm. that may be. It's, it's, you know, it's brought the whole picture into light, which we were kind of already seeing. Um, then also talking to other successful PMs and saying, hey, what was your key to success? You know, what can we do, you know, better? I had a conversation with one just earlier today. I, um, I, you know, I got notes right here, you know, and kind of what was their strategy? What's what's your biggest key for success as a property manager? And they're saying, hey, communication's an issue, right? We don't want to have owners calling us and saying, hey, what the hell's going on? We want to be like, hey, <laughs> preemptively be like, hey, just want to let you know this is going on or our systems are in place where we don't even get to that spot. Right. So, uh, you know, proactive communication. Well, it's interesting. 
different segment, but the Airbnb is the same way. Mm-hmm. Hey man, why is my property not performing? Well, your property sucks. Like, I don't know <laughs> what to tell you. Yeah. But because like, ultimately I think what's interesting about like just us owners separate from you being an owner is that, is that a lot of investors and a lot of people white label like cities and, and asset classes. And, mm-hmm. and, and we don't, we don't as people, I do, cause it's, I'm weird. And I like to study this stuff. We don't study enough of human behavior and projects, right? Like, like perfect example, like San Antonio, Texas, there is 12 skyscrapers, like are massive projects that are uh-huh. slated in the next like five years. Well, if you're not paying attention, you don't know that. So like, you're like, well, the market's hot. Yeah, you ain't even seen anything yet. Just wait till <laughs> wait till the W comes in. Wait till this gets done. Yeah. But that's because I'm out there, you know, talking to developers, talking to property managers, talking to people. You know, the restaurant business yielded that kind of like talk. You know, oh, yeah. we're doing this. So, so as an investor, if you're, and I'm merely saying this to say this, if you are wanting to get in a new market because your market is is pushed out or the price is ridiculous at the moment. You, you want to connect with people like Colin. You want to you want to have a conversation. You want to jump on the phone. You want to you want to ask people, "Hey, are they doing what they say they're going to do, guys? What do you think of the market?" Because I think what people don't understand is you're you're getting paid on performance, so you better perform. And so it's like he he would only tell you the good stuff. And I think I think enough people, I think people keep stuff too close to the chest sometimes when you we need to have some conversations so you can figure out a new market. Yeah, absolutely. People want to come into this market and I've known other PMs and they're great PMs, right? I don't want to say anything bad about any other PMs, but we all know there's good and bad in every industry, but other good PMs and they're like, they just white label whole zip codes. They're like, you know, no go zip codes, these, 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 and these, right? And I'm like, Mm -hmm. okay, that's great. And you've got a great business model and you've got a certain clientele that you're catering to. And and I really can appreciate that. At the same time, you know, an investor comes in, like, I can't afford to buy a house here, but I could buy one in this C-class neighborhood. What do you think? Well, let's figure out how we can optimize this C-class property for you so mm-hmm. you can get the most, most bang for your buck, right? And, and and sometimes it's not as nuanced as a zip code. Sometimes it's maybe, okay, these three streets or these these handful of blocks, these yeah. are worth it. You might get shot over here, but not over here, right? So- <laughs> well, I mean, put it this way. I think, I think especially new investors, they're like... <sighs> You know, they're like, uh, uh, let's attack Austin, Texas. We're going to hit up every market. And I'm like, I got a better idea. How about you pick two zip codes and you get a deal in one of those zip codes and you pound the pavement. I, I have a friend, a uh, developer out of Nashville. Um, when he was starting, he's a young developer, but when he was starting up as an agent, he's a broker. Uh, he doesn't leave. Now he does, but he didn't leave a 10 block radius in East Nashville for like six years. Like he literally did not leave a 10 block radius because he said it's a waste of my time. And what happened was, is he just became the East Nashville broker Mm -hmm. (laughs) and he was like selling the same property like three times. And it's like, but, but, but the new thing I'm doing, right. It's so funny that I'm, that I'm, that I'm talking to you and I mentioned, I mentioned, Oh, I mentioned it to a guy I was just talking to. I'm trying to debunk the myth um, cause I've talked to a lot of agents in smaller places that you have to live in an Austin, a Dallas, an LA, a San Francisco, a Chicago to make money. These third, these, these, these cities in the Midwest, these smaller Texas towns, there are brokers and investors just killing it. Like I, I have a friend in Northern Michigan that's just murdering it. 
Austin, please stop giving away all the secrets. <laughs> it's the truth, right? Listen, I am enjoying not having competition. Why, why are you going to do that? Hey, listen, I'm going to make you feel really good about your life. And, I, and you, you drink or no? Occasionally. Okay. Well, when you are sitting around your business partners and you are cracking one open at night, I want you to tell this story, okay? In the last three days, I've had five agents reach out to me. They put offers in on houses, 100K over asking, no contingency, close in three days, didn't get the house. There, wait for it, wait for it. There are, within a day and a half, there's 67 offers on houses. And then the new construction list for one development is 500 deep on the waiting list. What are the price of that? What is the price point? So that that? Pr- that house that was that that is probably worth like two sixty maybe sold for like three ninety. That's stupid. <laughs> it's dumb. I know. I That's don't understand. Stupid. I don't get it. I don't get it. All right. Let me give you the the the. I don't know. X ex, ex suburbs or whatever they call it. Tertiary yeah. markets to yeah. to the cities. Whatever. So I live in a town of fifty five hundred people east of Kansas City. I live out on a farm just outside the city. Right. It's great. I love it. Love the rural town, rural Missouri. It's kind of trashy, but I love rural Missouri. Yeah. And <laughs> but there's other small cities, right? That's where I started investing. Mm-hmm. And we've seen great success. I bought me and a couple of people, we bought 18 units at the beginning of 2020. $500 per door, average rent. Mm-hmm. As of last week, average rent across the portfolio, $597 per door. Mm-hmm. You know, Perfect. and it's, it's, it's great. Right. And the end barrier to entry is pretty low and the demand is there. And, mm-hmm. you know, like everybody's like, you know, Hey, I got to be in Austin, but people from the coast now, at least the ones coming to Kansas city, like we can't afford anything. So we want to invest in the Midwest. Right. Yeah. So, great. Bring it on. No. And it's interesting. I have a buddy, Adrian Salazar, who does deals in San Antonio, but, but, but he was like, well, shit. I mean, we're going to start doing deals in McAllen, Texas. Mm-hmm. Nobody goes to McAllen, Texas. He's like, I do. And so in the span of a year and a half, they've he's wholesaled a 33 unit, wholesaled a 16 unit. They they own 190 units and, and they own like five Airbnbs. And he's like, this is easy. Like, because like he's the big dog and there's a bunch of older dudes that have owned property for 40 years and they're ready to get out. They're ready to move to the ranch and and they they want to see a young hustler and they're they're happy to 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 strike a deal. Yeah, that's that's great. I mean, that's 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 what we're working, right? The first thing I bought in this town was a seven-unit complex for sale by owner, guy that had it paid off and owned it for a long time, and he's like, "Yeah, yeah, I'll let you uh, get it back up to where it needs to be, and I'll owner finance it." And what's interesting is I was talking about it on Clubhouse this morning, and nothing that nobody ever talks about this because it's not sexy. Money's not sexy, but a lot of if you look, if you read the tea leaves, a lot of the East Coast, West Coast are just bigger players with the New York market, the California market. They're repositioning debt. Like meaning that they're getting out of a risky investment. Maybe there's a ton of equity in it and taking that debt and moving it to the Midwest or Texas or Arizona and reposition it in what they consider a less risky option on a lower risk portfolio. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what's happening, guys. Like you're not paying attention to what's like going on. That's OK. We'll, we'll still make money while you're while you're doing what you're doing. But you but you have to think farther than one transaction. You have to understand the movement of money and the movement of people. And so if it were me, if it were me, you do what you want to, but you've already got the construction company. If it was me, 
I would start building some new construction. Yeah, no, that's, I think, that's, that's, I think, on the, that's on the horizon. We're okay, I love it because that, that, that's, that that's, what it, that's what makes me excited. Yeah, no, we're, we're fleshing that out right now and we'll talk offline. About yeah, some of the stuff that we're working for sure. On. We can't we can't tell. We, we already gave y'all enough. So if people yeah. want to find out about your podcast, they want to find out about uh, you. How do they do that, bud? Yeah. So our podcast is Elevating Property Management. We are we are responsible for tens or hundreds of millions of dollars worth of assets. We can't be a mom and pop operation. We need to be on the levels of bankers and accountants and other professionals with how much money we're dealing with. We're collecting hundreds of thousands of dollars a month. We're distributing it back. We're paying bills, so we need to elevate our game. We need to elevate property management. Check me out on LinkedIn, Colin Dalhut, um, Instagram, Atlas Property Management. So we're kind of all over it. I see what you did there. I liked it. All right, guys. If you like this episode, make sure you send it out to your friends, guys, and we'll see you soon. Thank you for listening to Construct Your Life with Austin Lenny. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to rate, review, subscribe, and pay it forward by sharing with a friend. Most importantly, take this opportunity to start constructing your life by taking immediate action on what you learned. For show notes, resources, and more information on one-on-one coaching with Austin, visit constructyourlifepodcast.com.